Like many churches, we too are starting off the new year talking about vision. With this being 2020, of course, everybody is talking about 2020 vision. And so we figure, why not? We'll jump on that bandwagon as well. We, however, do it a little bit differently here. We are going to be talking about vision, but it's not necessarily your vision to become a CEO of a company or a movie star or anything like that. We're going to be talking about God's vision here, okay? And like we said last week, the ability to see is called sight, okay? The ability to see is called sight, But the ability to see the unseen, God calls that vision. God calls that vision when we have the ability not just to see what can be seen, but the ability to see the unseen. God calls that vision, and God has given us the ability for both. Because God wants us all to be a people of vision. That's why he said in his word, my people shall walk by faith and not just by sight. He doesn't want us just to go by or go based on what we can physically see with our physical eyes. He also wants us to be able to see what cannot be seen. In other words, to have vision. But what do you do After you become a people of vision. If you were here last week, you know and understand now that we are to become a people of vision. To have the ability to see the unseen. But what do you do after becoming a people or a person of vision? Well, there is a children's toy that has been around for decades. I believe it came out in 1965. And it is just as popular today as it was way back then, this children's toy. This children's toy doesn't have a screen, (laughs) takes no batteries, (laughs) doesn't light up at all. It's just a string with pictures and a voice box. But yet, it is just as popular today as it was way back then. It It is an educational toy. And the way that it works, you simply pull on the string and then the voice box will say, and the cow says, moo. (laughs) Pull on the string and the dog says, rough. (laughs) Pull on the string and the cat says, meow. (laughs) This children's toy has been around for decades And it's still popular today. Why? Because it combines the two things. It combines the audio with the visual to be more effective in the lesson that it is trying to convey. It's kind of like the evolution of entertainment. Radio was audio without the visual. That's radio. (laughs) Then silent films came out. And silent films are the visual without the audio. (laughs) But IMAX is the ability to have both. (laughs) When you have the ability to combine both the visual with the audio, you get IMAX. You get the potential to have both involved in conveying the message that is trying to be conveyed. So it's not enough just to see something. As it is said in the day and times we're living in with terrorism, If you see something, you ought to what? Say something. (laughs) 
If you see something, say something. It is not enough just to have vision. It's not enough just to see the unseen. If you see something, you ought to say something. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. (laughs) You ought to be willing to say what you have seen. You ought to be able to witness. You ought to be able to testify of the goodness and the glory of God that he has revealed to you, that he has shown you. So let the redeemed of the Lord that has seen something say something. Because it is not enough just to see. You must be willing to say. And it is called see and say, the children's story. (laughs) The children's story that we are referring to is called see and say because you want to be able to say what you See. So there is the combining of the sight with sound or speaking what you see. And do you know that God does this? God does this very thing. If you have your Bibles open, Romans 4.17. Romans 4.17 describes the God who gives life to the dead. And watch this. Calls those things which do not exist. As though they did exist. (laughs) In other words, God speaks of things not as they are, but as he has seen they will be. Let me repeat that. (laughs) God doesn't just speak things as they are. He also speaks those things that he has seen that they will be. Just ask Abraham. He goes to a man named Abram and he says, look, Abram, I'm going to stop calling you Abram and I'm going to start calling you what? Abraham. What does Abraham mean? Abraham means father of many nations. (laughs) Now, at the time, Abraham didn't have one child. As a matter of fact, he could not have any children, but yet God calls him father of many nations. Why? Because he calls those things that are not as though they are because he knows he's already seen they will be. So God then says what he's already seen. Jesus also does this. In John 15, 15, the scripture that we alluded to during offering, when Jesus tells us, No longer do I call you servants. I don't call you slaves. I call you friends. Why did he say he calls us friends? He says, I have called you friends. Why? For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Translation, what God in heaven has shown me, I now share with you. Not enough for me just to see it. I must also be willing to say it. Share it. So God does this. Jesus did this. And guess what? God has called us to do the very same thing. In Matthew 10, 27, Matthew 10, 27, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this. Whatever I tell you in the dark, in secret, speak in the light or out in the open. And what you hear in the ear, whisper to you. And I want you to preach on the housetops. It is not enough simply to see the unseen. God wants you to be able to say also what you have seen. So he tells us to see and say or to reveal the vision that has been revealed to us. Now, why? Why isn't it enough for us just to see 
the unseen? Why isn't it enough for us just to simply have vision? Why must we also say what we see? Well, Habakkuk 2.2 lets us in on why it is important to say what you see. In Habakkuk 2.2, it says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. <laughs> I have given you vision. I have given you the ability to see the unseen. So now that I've given you this ability, now that I've given you this vision, I want you to take the vision and I want you to write it down on tablets and make it plain. Why? That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it, the vision, will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. (laughs) Because it will surely come to pass. It will not tarry. There are two reasons why we are to see and say. Not just see, (laughs) but To see and say. Two reasons according to the scripture God gives us. So that we may run with it and so we may wait for it. Those two reasons. Why it's not enough just to see vision. Not enough just to see the unseen. You must say what you see as well so that we may run with it and wait for it. Now, throughout the years we've been in this church, we've had people who have come and we, who have gone. And we, don't, we understand that. We get that. No hard feelings toward anybody with that. It happens to every church, okay? And there's some people who decided to leave this church because they felt there was no vision. And I don't blame them at all. <laughs> I don't blame them one bit because why are you going to continue to follow someone or something that's not going anywhere? If there is no vision, the Bible says, the people perish. There is no vision. Why am I going to continue to follow you if you're leading me to nowhere? So if they believe there was no vision for this church, there was no direction for this church, I don't blame them. I bless you. (laughs) But then we have those who knew of our vision, who understood we had vision. They just weren't willing to wait for the vision. (laughs) They they weren't willing to wait for the vision. They just caught us at at our winter season. (laughs) You came into this ministry during wintertime and you didn't want to wait for spring. You didn't understand that summer was right around the corner. You didn't want to (laughs) wait. So the Bible says, write the vision down. Make it plain. Why? So that they may run with it. Who hears it? And they may be willing to wait on it. Although it tarries, it will come. It will come to pass. If this vision has come from God, it will come to pass. God wants it to happen even more than we want it to happen. So God says it's not enough, Neil, for you to see vision. It's not enough for Cynthia to see vision. We must be willing to make the vision plain so that you may see vision. You may run with vision. You may wait for the vision. So that's what we want to do today. We want to give you our church vision. And it is a message that I am entitling the next installment of our series, Do You See What I See? We're entitling part two, See and Say. See and Say.
And Amos 3.3, Amos 3.3 says this. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? <laughs> Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Well, that's a rhetorical question because the answer obviously is what? No. Two cannot walk together unless they are in greed. Two cannot walk together unless they're going the same way, unless they're going in the same direction for the same goal, for the same reason, for the same purpose. So you have a lot of people who have misconceptions about church membership. So why do I need to join a church? Okay. Why do I need to sign a piece of paper? Why do I need to join a ministry or a congregation? I don't, I don't need to do that. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I don't need to do that. And it's because of some misconceptions that they have about church membership. <laughs> they said, oh, if I join a church, you're going to try and control me. We're not trying to control you. <laughs> we don't own you. You don't belong to us. You don't belong to me. You don't belong to Pastor Cynthia. You don't belong to this church. You belong to the Lord. You belong to God. <laughs> so we're not trying to control anybody here. We're not trying to make you do anything. We're not trying to obligate you to do anything. You don't feel the Lord wants you to do. Why? Because you don't belong to us. You belong to the Lord. So that is not at all what church membership does. It does not uh, obligate you. It does not confine you. It does not cause you to do something you don't want to do. That is not what membership is about. Some people say, well, I don't feel why we should join a church. I mean, I don't think it's even biblical to do that. Well, there is actually a precedence for church membership, and I'm going to show you where it is. Hebrews 10, 24. Hebrews 10, 24 gives us the precedence for church membership. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says this, and let us consider one another. You know, people say, I don't need to go to church. I can have church all myself. No, you cannot have church all by yourself. You can pray by yourself. <laughs> you can worship by yourself. <laughs> you can listen to a message by yourself. <laughs> but you cannot have church by yourself. Church, by definition, is ecclesia, the called out ones, plural. <laughs> and the church that God has called lets us in on the purpose of church. Let us consider ourselves, no, consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That's where it is again. Exhorting, edifying, building up, encouraging one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? The day of the return of Jesus Christ. God says this ought to be happening more, not less. And sadly and unfortunately today, we live in a society where this is happening less instead of more. We have more and more people saying, I don't need church. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to be a part of a community. I don't need to be a part of a people. God says, no, this should be happening more as you see the day approaching, not less. So I describe this like the old analogy, bikes in a box. Everybody remember bike, getting a bike in a box <laughs> on Christmas? Okay. All the pieces were in the box. Okay? They were all in the same box at the same time. 
but you did not have a fully functional, enjoyable bike until you did what? Assembled it. (laughs) Assembled it. It wasn't enough just to have all the pieces in the box. (laughs) You had to connect the pieces together. You had to assemble the pieces. A lot of people say, I don't want to forsake the assembling of God's people, so let me just go to church today as if you assembled. No. (laughs) Just because you came to church, just because you sang some songs, just because you sat there and listened to a message and you went home and went about your business does not mean you assembled. Because you have not connected one to the other. Assembly means I am connected to you. You are connected to me. We are connected to them. They are connected to us. How else when one hurts, we all hurt? How else is it when one rejoice, we all rejoice? Unless we have been assembled. Unless we have been connected one to another. So this is the precedence for church membership. If you don't want to join this church, fine. Don't join this church, but find a church to join. Find a place where you can go and get connected to the work of God with the people of God to the glory of God. Find some place to go do that because God has commanded it in his word. When you decide to join one, you ought to be willing to vet it as well. I think we vet gym memberships than we do more than church memberships. (laughs) It's amazing how we'll pick a church. Well, uh, they got a nice facility. Well, the music sounds good. Well, they got a children's program. Let me go here. You know nothing about them. You don't know what they believe. You don't know what their vision is, where they're going. You don't know anything about that. No, we must consider the church that we are wanting to join. So I want to give you our statement of faith. If you were to take everything that we believe and put it in one single statement, this would be our statement of faith here at Believe Church. We affirm that the Holy Bible is God's only inspired, infallible, complete, and authoritative word to mankind. Given to reveal the character and nature of the Holy Trinity comprised of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as well as to reveal to us his will and his ways of the kingdom. It is the testament of Jesus Christ, including his pre-incarnation and birth, his life and death, and his resurrection and ascension to the Father in glory, in authority, in victory, and in power, for which salvation from the penalty and power of sin is given to all who believe in him. If you wanted to know what does believe church believe in a nutshell, that is it right there, okay? So what does all of that then mean? Well, we are called Believe Church. You came to Believe Church today. And the reason why we are called Believe Church is because that's who we are. That's what we do. We are believers who believe. But as I said last Wednesday, everybody's a believer, if you think about it. Everybody's a believer. Why? Because everybody believes. Everybody believes something. Okay? From the Mormons to the Jehovah's Witness to Muslims to atheists, everybody believes something. (laughs) So the question is not, do you believe? The question is, what do you believe? What do you believe and why? So this is what we believe. 
We believe in the one true God. The one true God who is eternal. That means he had no beginning. The one true God who is everlasting. That means he has no end. The one true God who is spaceless, who is timeless, who is immaterial, who created all this. We believe in the one true personal God. Comprised of the Father, the Son, as well as the Holy Spirit. Which means we also believe in the deity, humanity, and majesty of Jesus Christ. (laughs) We believe in the deity, the humanity, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is 100% God, but he is also, at the same time, 100% man. And he has been elevated to the highest position as king of kings and lord of lords over everything. That's who we believe Jesus Christ to be. It's not enough just to say the name Jesus. There's a lot of cults out there. There's a lot of religions out there who will use Jesus' name. But ask them, what Jesus do you believe in? They will tell you, well, we believe Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. Or we believe Jesus was a created being. No, that's not the Jesus we believe in. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) We believe in the eternal Jesus, the, the God of heaven. We believe in the King of kings and the Lord of glory. That is who we believe in with Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being he, not it. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is not force. It is not energy. It is not essence. He is the third person of the Trinity of God. He is just as much God as the Father and the Son is. And his job is to lead us to Christ. His job is to lead us into truth. We believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the word of God here. It is the word of God that dictates to us and directs to us how we are to live our lives and maintain our ministry. It's not what his pastor say about this. It's not how brother so-and-so feels about this. It's not what sister so-and-so thinks about this. No, what does the word say about this? <laughs> That's what matters here. <laughs> On Wednesdays, we would call it what in the word. <laughs> Because that's what we want to know. Not what in the world is going on. No, what in the word is going on. (laughs) God, what do you have to say about this? Because your word is the final word for every matter. We believe in the word of God here, believe church. We believe that Lucifer rebelled. We believe that. We believe that there was an angel that decided to rebel against God. Some people have this question. Why would God create the devil? God did not create the devil. The devil created the devil. (laughs) Lucifer created Satan. How did he do that? Because he exercised the same thing that God has given you and I. Free will. (laughs) God doesn't want robots. He wants love to be given to him freely, which means you also have have to have the choice not to love him. Angels had this free will just like we have this free will. And one day or one point in time, Lucifer decided to exercise that free will and rebel against God because he wanted to be God. And because of that, he was kicked out of the kingdom of God. So we believe that Lucifer rebelled and we believe that mankind fell. Mankind was given the exact same scenario, the exact same situation, the exact same opportunity either to love God or reject God, to obey God or disobey God. 
And when mankind decided to disobey God, mankind brought sin upon this world, sin upon themselves and everybody who was in them, which includes you and I. Because each and every one of us came from Adam. So we believe in that and therefore we believe because of sin, there is a penalty for the sin that we are in. Which means here at Believe Church, we do believe in a literal and eternal hell and lake of fire. Although it was not prepared for you and I, and if you want to learn more about that, come out on Wednesday. We're going to be talking about that with revealing what's behind the veil. But we do believe in a literal hell. I know that's not popular. I know people don't like to hear that. I know they don't like to see their God. How can God send anybody to a place like that? God is not sending anybody there. You're already on the way there. (laughs) So what God does is he extends his hand of mercy and grace to get you off the road that you're already on. God's not sending anybody to hell. (laughs) He's giving you an opportunity to get off that road that's leading you there. So we do believe in a penalty for the sin that we are in. We also believe in the power of sin. That means you can be saved from the penalty of sin. You're no longer held bound. You're going to heaven. But because of the power of sin, you're having a hell of a time getting there. The power of sin has gripped your heart. The power of sin has gripped your mind. Even though you're saved and set free in your spirit, in your heart and mind, you're still a slave to sin. Because we believe not only in the penalty of it, but in the power thereof. So therefore, we also believe in the mission of Jesus Christ. In the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus decided to come as sinful man, yet without sin. As the Bible says, he who knew no sin decided to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is the gospel message. Because of the penalty of sin, because of the power of sin, Jesus Christ came to rectify that problem, to die for our sin, to pay the penalty and the price that he may grant to us salvation forevermore. We believe in the mission of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we believe in the threefold salvation. The threefold salvation. You are three in one, just like God is three in one. Father, Son, and, and Spirit, same with you and I. We are spirit, we live in a body, and we possess or have a soul, which is our mind. Okay, those three things. When you gave your life to Christ, your spirit was saved. You will never, if you are found in Christ, if you are saved right now, you're a believer, you will never be any more saved than you are right now. <laughs> never. But we're talking about your spirit, who you truly are. You will never be any more saved than you already are right now, but that is in your spirit. So our spirits have been saved. The Bible says our bodies will be saved. We will take off this corruption, put on incorruption. Take off this mortal, put on immortality. When Jesus comes back, we will be raised anew with glorified bodies. Our bodies will be saved. (laughs) But in between that, (laughs) while our spirits have been saved and we're waiting for our bodies to be saved, our mind is in the process of being saved. And that process is called sanctification. 
God is in the process of saving your mind just like he saved your spirit. He's in the process of getting the world out and getting the word in. That is the sanctification process of us all. That's why uh, salvation is not a change in perfection. It is simply a change in direction. You're still going to fail. You're still going to stumble. You're still going to fall. But now you're going to be able to get back up and keep going toward Christ and the cross. Because he is working on saving your soul as well. We believe in the expressions of our faith with baptism and communion. No, these things don't save you, but they are signs of your salvation. They are signs of your relationship and your commitment to Jesus Christ. We believe in end time prophecy. That time had a beginning and therefore time will have an end. And we may not agree on the way all of that will turn out. But as long as we can agree with this, that the day is coming when Jesus Christ is going to return. He is going to do with Satan, away with Satan and sin forever. And those who are found in Christ Jesus is going to reign and rule with him forever. As long as we can agree with that, <laughs> as long as we can agree with that final destination, we, we are in agreement with end time prophecy. Therefore, we do believe in eternity. We do not believe in annihilation. We do not believe that anybody ceases to exist. No, the question is not if you will live forever. The question is where you will live forever. Because we believe in eternity. We believe in being kingdom-minded here at Believe Church. We're not trying to promote ourselves or make a name for ourselves. That means we are not in competition with any other church, any other ministry. We pray that every church succeeds. Why? Because we're all in the same family. It is all for the same glory to God. So we are not in competition with anybody. We are kingdom-minded here. We're not trying to build our kingdom. We're trying to build God's kingdom. So we are kingdom-minded here at Believe Church. And this last belief, the only reason we bring it up is not because we differentiate sin or we see one sin greater than another sin, but because this is now has now become the barometer by which society is measured by. Okay? This belief right here <laughs> has become the barometer by which society will measure you by. Whether or not they will accept you or cancel you. So therefore, I think it is important that you know what Believe Church believes. We believe that life begins at conception, that one's sex is not up for question, and marriage is without exception. Okay? Let me say it again. We, begin, we believe that life begins at conception, that one's sex is not up for question, and marriage is without ex exception. That is what we believe at Believe Church. Now, doesn't matter where you are in your lifestyle, doesn't matter where you are in your choices, doesn't matter what you have done in the past, you can be forgiven, you can be healed, you can be whole, you can be blessed. As a matter of fact, God wants to do that for you. But we have to be willing to agree with God, to agree with what God said about these matters, where you say, well, where did God ever mention anything about those things? Matthew 19, 4, I'm glad you asked. Matthew 19, 4, <laughs> They came to Jesus one day asking him about marriage. And in 19, Matthew 19, verse 4, God's going to give the definition, God's design, and God's desire 
for marriage. Notice what he says here, Matthew 19, 4. He says, have you not read that he, God, who made them at the beginning? That covers life right there. Jesus has said, no, it is God who has made you. He told David, no, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made when I knit you together in your mother's womb. It is God who made us in our mother's womb. He told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. So when Jesus says, he who made them at the beginning, that covers life. That takes care of life. And if God knew us before we were in the womb, certainly he knows us while we're in the womb. So he said, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, that covers life, made them male and female? That covers sex. When God made you in your mother's womb, he determined your sex. He determined what you would be. And how are we going to play God and say, God, you got it wrong? Or God, let me play God and let me correct your mistake. How are we going to do that? as a society no he made them male and female and then he said in verse 5 and it is for this reason that a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh that covers marriage God has already spoken what he feels about marriage And it comes without exception. There is no redefining it. There is no changing it. There is no adjustment for it. Marriage is without exception. And so that is what we believe here at Believe Church. These are all of our non-negotiable beliefs. Okay. Now, we're not going to believe on every single thing. We're not going to agree on every single thing. And we know that we understand that. But these most definitely... We have to walk together in. We cannot agree to disagree. We cannot compromise. We cannot say, well, you can believe that. and I can. No, if we're going to walk together, we must be on the same page with these beliefs. These are all of our non-negotiable beliefs. But then we also have some non-essential beliefs. Not that they're not important, but they're not pertinent to one's salvation. So here we believe, yes, in God's sovereignty, but also man's responsibility. Yes, God is doing it, but we must respond to what God is doing. We at this church believe in eternal security. Once a person is truly saved, is truly born again, then your salvation is eternally secure. We believe that. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if he did it way back when, he can do it again. (laughs) It's simply up to him when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, to whom he wants to do it, through whom he wants to do it. But he still can do it. He still can be God. So we still believe, yes, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that you are free to be led by the Spirit on questionable matters. There are certain things that God's word will condemn. There are other things that God's word will condone. But if God doesn't condemn it and God doesn't condone it in his word, he says then you are left to be led by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that you are free to do that. And just to throw it in, we do believe in a 
pre-tribulation rapture of the church, okay? <laughs> so that is where we are with our non-essential beliefs. That is what we believe. How we are governed here. How are we ran as a church here? Well, sometime last year, we decided to adopt a new uh, method to our leadership. And so I prayed about it and God had placed on my heart to adopt uh, a governance of a football team. I played football, I coached football, and so uh, I understand the setup. And so God had placed it on my heart and says, I want you to design your leadership like a football team. So the way this church is governed, number one, is this way. We are governed by, number one, the rule of God, who we call the owner. Okay? This is not Pastor Neil's church, not Cynthia's church. This is God's church. Jesus said, and I will build whose church? My church. <laughs> this is God's church. Okay? So number one, we are governed by the rule of God, who is the owner. We are governed by the spirit of God, who's the GM, the general manager, okay? <laughs> he manages the things here. And we are ruled then by the word of God, we call the playbook, okay? First and foremost, if you want to know how believe church is governed, how church is ran here, is those three ways. By the rule of God, by the spirit of God, by the word of God, okay? But after that, also, we are led by, first, the lead pastors. Right? God has appointed myself and my wife to lead this church, and so this church is now led by the lead pastors. We're calling the head coach. Right? We're led by, then, the elders. We're calling the corporate board. We're then led by ministry heads. We're calling coordinators. You know, like offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, we too have coordinators over ministries. We're then led by ministry leaders. We're calling positional coaches. You got, you know, your linebackers coach and your D-backs coach and running backs coach. We have position coaches as well, which is our ministry leaders. Then we're led by ministry teams within those ministries we call captains. And then ministry workers we call competitors. And this is not to bring some type of hierarchy to our church and say one is better than the other. That is not at all what this is about. This is simply about the dissemination of information. It comes from God through your pastors to you. Okay. As far as our person, we are the same. As far as our position, we may be different because of the position that we have. But as far as our person, we are all in this together, okay? I don't float on air, okay? I don't speak in the King James Version when I, when I get home, okay? I have the same problems, the same sins, the same temptations, the same struggles you have as well. Don't look to me. Look to the Lord. I'm just leading you to him, okay? We are all the same here. But positionally, what God is called, he does differentiate. And so this is simply the dissemination of the information from God through us to you. That is how this church is governed. Right? Now, with any organization, you would have to also know comes discipline. Discipline is necessary to maintain the integrity of any unity. You have to have 
discipline. You have to be disciplined to keep people in line with the purpose, with the goals, with the mission, with the vision of what's going on. In other words, you can't just let everybody do whatever they want and you fulfill your goal. <laughs> there must be some type of accountability that we must have one to the other. And so we do practice here discipline at this church. Now, discipline in this church is not the same as you get out in the world. I tell people all the time, if I call you into my office, I'm not calling you into the principal's office. <laughs> I'm calling you into the pastor's office, okay? And there is a difference. And the difference is this. Galatians 6.1 says this. Brethren, if a man or woman is overtaken in any trespass. Any trespass means what? Any trespass. <laughs> Any sin you can think of is covered in this verse. The Bible says if any man or woman is overtaken in any trespass, then you who are spiritual ought to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, the sin that is in you that caused you to do what you did is the same sin that's in me. And I have the same potential of committing any and every sin just like you do. So the way that I would want to be treated, I treat you. So I'm not trying to punish anybody. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm not trying to run anybody off. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. If there needs to be discipline, it is for your good and for the integrity of this ministry and the glory of God's name. That is why we do that. So now we're not going to be following you around. We're not going to be checking up on you. We're not going to be knocking on your door unexpected. We're not going to be doing any of that. Okay? But like I tell my kids, if there is something we need to know, God will make sure we know. And when he does make sure we know it, we cannot turn a blind eye to it. We cannot sweep it under the rug. We cannot act like it's not important. We must be willing to address it for the integrity of this ministry and the glory of God's name. So when you say, I want to become a member of this church, you're saying, I'm opening myself up to be corrected when I need to be corrected. By doing all of this, we will be able to maintain the culture of this church. Now, every church has a culture. Okay? Every church has, has a feel to it. It's like restaurants. Every restaurant has a culture or a feel. Walking into McDonald's and walking into Chick-fil-A, two totally different cultures. <laughs> and you can feel it and you know it instinctively. Okay? I won't tell you which one is better, just in case one of y'all work at the other. But <laughs> you can tell there's a culture there, right? <laughs> It's not your fault if you work there. It comes from the top down. It comes from management. It comes from ownership. Well, we do all these things to maintain the culture that has been uh, presented here at Believe Church. So when you come in here, there are five different things we want to make sure you leave with, right? knowing about this church. That we, number one, have a culture of holiness. We have a culture of holiness. I was discussing this with my brother uh, yesterday. They had an article about casual dressing at church. And he asked me, did I agree with that? Well, obviously looking at me, I don't agree with that, uh, that, that you can't go to church casually dressed. But I understand why people think that way. Because they feel if you dress casual, you also be casual in your holiness. You will be casual in your truth. You'll be casual in your righteousness. You'll be casual in other things of God. 
Well, that's not necessarily true. You cannot equate the two. We may be casual in our dress, but we are far from casual in our righteousness. We are far from casual in our holiness. When you come to this church, we want you to know and understand this church has a culture of holiness. It's not a whole bunch of rampant sin running around here out in the open and everybody's okay with that. That is not going on here at Believe Church. Okay? We have a culture of, number one, holiness. Number two, we have a culture of genuineness. We want you to be you. We want you to be who you are. Okay? We are not trying to get you to conform to anybody or anyone but Jesus Christ. Paul said, imitate me only as I imitate Christ. Okay? You don't need to conform to the pastor. You don't need to conform to the elders. You don't need to conform to leaders. You don't need to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way. You come genuinely as you are. And you will be accepted, you will be loved, you will be received as you are. We let God do the changing. We don't change anybody. We don't convict anybody. We let God, we let the Spirit of God through the Word of God do the changing. So when you come here, we want you to know that you have a church with a culture of genuineness. I can be who God created me to be. God didn't have this cookie-cutter Christianity where everybody has to be the same. So it's a culture of holiness. It's a culture of genuineness. It is a culture of togetherness. I cannot stand division. I cannot stand strife. I cannot stand backbiting and animosity and fighting and and jealousy and, and going back. I can't stand that because that will kill a church. It will kill an organization. God said, if a kingdom, he didn't say my kingdom, he didn't say Satan's kingdom, he just said a kingdom, which means any kingdom. (laughs) If a kingdom is divided, rest assured, that kingdom cannot stand. If you bring division into this church, if you bring animosity into this church, bad attitude into this church, we are going to address it. Because it will be like a cancer that will permeate through this church and bring this church down. This church will have a culture of togetherness. You may not like what we do. You may not agree what we do. It may not be the way you would do it. But you will not bring division and strife and animosity to this ministry. We are a church of togetherness. Number four, we are a church of faithfulness. Faithful. God says, be faithful in all your doings. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful to us, but that doesn't give us an excuse to be faithless. (laughs) It just means we ought to be faithful more, to be committed to doing what God has called and purposed us to do. And then lastly, we want to be a church of effectiveness. Effectiveness. We are effective in ministering God's word to God's people. We are effective in doing what God has called us to do. So we're not just running around just playing church, but we are being effective in our Father's business. That is the culture of this church. Holiness, genuineness, togetherness, faithfulness, effectiveness. That is the feel we want you to get each and every time you're in this church. And by this, we will fulfill our mission. What is our mission? Well, our mission is the way we will uh, fulfill the vision. 
We call this the three acts of Believe Church. Attract, impact, and react. Attract, impact, and react. Somebody once asked me, Pastor, who is your church for? Who is your church for? Is it the black, the white, the young, the old, the rich, the poor, the church, the unchurched? And I said, yes, it is. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) All the above. (laughs) But then somebody recently asked me that same question, and I gave the same biblical answer. Our church is for everybody. Our church is for whosoever. And they reminded me, they pointed out, well, not so fast, Pastor. Not so fast, because everybody is not going to appreciate your ministry. Everybody's not going to be comfortable at your church. Everybody's not going to want to stick around with your type of ministry. And we began to talk that out and we began to see who we are truly attracting. And this is who we are attracting. We're attracting those who are seeking truth, who are seeking to be challenged, and who are seeking to change. That is who we are attracting. And if you are not seeking those three things, this church is not for you. As a matter of fact, you will despise this church. This church will become an irritant to you if you're not looking for those three things. If you're not looking for truth, if you're not looking to be challenged, and if you're not looking to change, you're not looking for this church. (laughs) Because that's what this church does. So we attract those who are looking for those three things, for truth, for challenge, and for change. Now, Why do we attract you here? Just to say we got a big church? Just to say we got a mega church now? No. We attract so that we may impact. We want to impact you with the word of God now that we have attracted you here by the word of God. And why do we want to impact you? So that you may leave this place and react what has been done to you. Change people. Change people. We are to go out into the world. That's why we don't uh, cater our church to the unchurched. We don't design our church and pattern our church so sinners in the world can feel comfortable here. That's not what God called us to do. He didn't say bring the world to church. He says, no, you go out into the world. And so here we are equipping you and giving you what you need to leave this place and to react what has been done in you. That is the way we will fulfill our vision. So, Pastor, you said this was all about vision. You haven't gotten to the vision. Well, I know our time is up, but our vision can be summed up with one word. One word describes our vision, and that word is freedom. Freedom. You want to know what Believe Church is about? You want to know what God has shown myself and my wife, what the vision of this church is? In one word, simply put, it is freedom. To be saved and set free, not just from the penalty of sin, which is hell, but the power of sin, which is a defeated life as well. God has called this church to bring about freedom. Freedom. So whether you don't know Christ, you are in your sin and you're destined for hell, we want to give you freedom to where now you're heaven bound instead of hell bound. 
whether you've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years, but you still have hangups and issues and strongholds and all kinds of issues with sin, we want to bring freedom to your life. That is the mission and the vision of this church. So now that you know what we know, now that you've seen what we have been shown, the question we have for you today is, are you willing to run with it? And are you willing to wait with us? We just require a few things for membership. Number one, that you be born again. Before joining this church, you must have joined the church, okay? You must be a believer in Jesus Christ, repented of your sin, and have given your life to him. That's requirement number one. Requirement number two is that you are biblically baptized. No, I know that baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is not how you made righteous. I understand that. But Jesus was baptized. He commanded his disciples to baptize. The early church baptized. And so we are to baptize to express the relationship we now have in Christ. So if you've never been biblically baptized, that means baptized by your own choice. Not when you were a baby and your, and your parents did it. That's their decision. And God has no grandchildren, okay? <laughs> you cannot get on, on uh, grandma's faith or mom and dad's faith. You must have a personal relationship with God yourself. So if you've never been biblically baptized, we want you to be baptized. And you've never done that, next week we're going to be doing that. And so you'll be able to uh, be baptized in. Number three, believe in all of our non-negotiable beliefs. Those first set of beliefs that we went through, you believe in those as well. And then lastly, abide by our church covenant. Abide by our church covenant. And that's the last thing we're going to do today before we close. So this is our church covenant. It says, inasmuch as we have been drawn by the Holy Spirit of God to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ. And by our mutual profession of faith in Christ and in the finished victorious work of the cross, being reconciled back to the Father by his grace through our faith and baptism into the name and fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we now solemnly and in all sincerity of the heart, in the presence of Almighty God, his angels in this assembly, enter into this covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We therefore resolve by the aid of the Lord and for the success of this church in his sight to do the following. Assemble regularly. Love unconditionally. Care genuinely. Correct gently. Listen intently. Speak kindly. Anger slowly. Offend rarely if any, forgive quickly, minister passionately, serve faithfully, be holy, glorify zealously, study diligently, pray fervently, evangelize hopefully, comply honorably, stand courageously, work commendably, Live righteously, train responsibly, give cheerfully, 
lead humbly, follow closely, and grow continually. That is our church covenant. Now, are we going to do all those things all the time, 100% of the time? No. But now we know what we are striving for. And now we can call each other on it at any time, including myself. If you ever see me not abiding by the church covenant, you say, Pastor, you need to forgive. Pastor, don't get upset. Don't get angry. As if y'all have ever seen me angry, right? Don't get angry or upset. <laughs> Remember the church covenant. We can call each other on it because now we have a standard by which to go by. And it says, we moreover commit that should we ever depart from this body, we understand there may be some people who will stay for a while, stay for a season, and then you will leave. That's fine. You can do that. But we commit that should we ever depart from this body, we will, as soon as possible, unite with another body of believers where we may carry out the spirit of this covenant in harmony with God's holy word. That is the covenant. With any covenant, there are always signs of a covenant. When God made a covenant that he would never destroy the world with water again, he put a rainbow in the sky. That rainbow is a sign of the covenant. When he made a, a covenant with Abraham, he then said, I want you to circumcise all of your males as a sign of that covenant. Baptism now is a sign of the covenant. I wear a wedding ring on my hand as a sign of the covenant that I've made with my wife. When we ask you to fill out a profile sheet, it's not in blood, okay? <laughs> it's not a contract. It is simply a sign of the covenant that you are willing to make with us. Okay? I can't remember y'all's name, let alone who went through a membership class, okay? So for no other reason, we need to know who believes as we believe, who's been baptized and who needs to be baptized, and who we can depend upon to go forward in completing our vision with. That's why we ask you to sign uh, a profile sheet. So if you're here today, God has ordered your steps at Believe Church for 2020. And he's ordered you here because he wants you to be a part of a church, and you believe it may be this church. Now you know what this church is all about. If you feel God is calling you to become a covenant member of Believe Church, then we ask that you sign a church covenant form, and then I will be in contact with you later on where we can sit down and talk one-on-one -on -one and get to know each other a little bit better. Is that all right? We do have... Um, these sheets in the welcome uh, center as well. So if God has placed that on your heart and you want to become a covenant member, just visit that place, pick up a profile sheet, fill it out. You can turn it in to any one of the leaders. They'll get it back to me, and then we'll be in contact with you at a later time. Amen? You know, in movies, the job of the leader, the job of the hero is always to rally the troops, right? To uh, bring the troops together and convey the vision. We see this in movies like 300 with Leonidas, movies like Gladiator with Maximus. But the one that comes to mind for us is William Wallace of Braveheart. <laughs> William Wallace of Braveheart, he goes, he rallies his troops, and he gives them vision. 
He gives him a way to see what he sees. And if you don't remember the speech, I want to read the speech to you so you can understand what it's all about. He says, I am William Wallace. And let me tell you what I see. Let me give you my vision. I see a whole army of my countrymen here who dare to stand in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. But the question is, what will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? They all answer, fight? You're crazy? <laughs> with that enemy? No way. We're going to run so we, we may live. He said, oh yeah, fight and you may die. Run and you may live, at least for a while. But what then? And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that one for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and to tell our enemies they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And if you recall, they did take William Wallace's life at the end, but his last word was what? Freedom. <laughs> freedom. I'm free. And I'd rather die a free man than to live a slave. So the question is, are you free today? And then the question is, what will you do with that freedom? Now, we're about to celebrate Black History Month again in February, and one of the names that will come up, I'm sure, is Harriet Tubman. What was Harriet Tubman known for? She was known for escaping to gain her freedom, but then just not sitting back and enjoying her freedom. What did she do? She went to go let others free. She worked to make sure that others could enjoy the freedom that she now enjoys. That is what God has called you and I to do, to be a people of freedom to be used by God to make others free. But you have to see the vision and then speak the vision as well. Amen? Give the Lord a hand for his word today, if you will. Bless the name of the Lord.